0: continuing our series called Next. Those questions on the screen, I don't know if that's starting to sink in. It's been a while. I've been watching that video. What's next for you in your life? What's next for you in your journey? And all of us, and today we're celebrating graduates, but all of us have something that's next for us. If we're still here, there's something coming. And so uh, we've been talking through this series. Uh, this is a study of the book of Joshua. If you've never read the book of Joshua, I'd encourage you to read it. It's awesome. Uh, it's, it's kind of longish, you know, in the way of Bible uh, Books, it's a little long, Um, but uh, I'll I'll promise you to jump over all the allocation stuff, which takes you about like 10 or 11 chapters. So, uh, now it's all good. You should check it out. But um, we've been studying this for a while now, and this week, as God would have it, because we just broke this out, um, we're going to be talking about this idea of success straight from the life of Joshua and the people of God, Israel. You'll remember, real quick, the story about Joshua is a story of a continuation of a promise that seemingly skipped a generation right? Uh, In the book of Joshua, uh, we hear the continuation of the story of Moses and the people of God in the desert. But you remember, they weren't allowed to enter in, but Joshua, Caleb, what we'll hear about on Father's Day, and the children of the Israelites, were allowed to inherit the promised land. And they had this moment of great success. We've been hearing a lot about their stories of success. You remember Jericho when the walls fell? You remember Ai, they sinned, and yet they repented of their sin, and God gave them Ai. You remember last week we talked about all the kings gathered against him and formed as one person trying to devour the people of God, and yet God had victory over those kings. The truth is that all of them were finding this newfound success in God. Um, I, I'm encouraged by that personally. I, I think that sometimes we can get uh, begin to believe that uh, um, we're kind of left to our own devices, and yet the promises of God's word is that He is fighting for us, and um, we continue uh, to learn that lesson today. So we're going to pick up today, and I'm going to ask if you would turn with me uh, to Joshua chapter 10, verses 28 through 43. But we're going to do what we always do here at Family Bible Church, and I'm going to explain this to you real quick. We always pray before we read the Word of God because we believe it's living and active. We believe He's living and active. And if you want to understand it, we have to ask Him to give us wisdom. We have none of our own, Uh, including me. I have none of my own, so we're going to ask that God would teach us in this time. As his people. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you in your house, to share our gifts with you, to give you praise and glory, because you alone are worthy of all glory for all time from all people. And we come to you today to offer that uh, from our lips. We pray that you would uh, open our minds to your truth, that you would soften our hearts to your word, that we could be truly transformed by knowing you more fully today. And and we ask, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would dwell richly here, uh, giving us wisdom. Your word says, if we lack things, ask. And Lord, we lack wisdom, so would you give us some wisdom today to understand and to rightly know and live out uh, the truth of your word. We thank you for the gift today, and we pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen. So we're going to kind of be talking about uh, these truths that we find uh, about success from the word of God. Corey kind of, I told Corey today, you know, we haven't colluded in any way. I'm like, you're just stealing my sermon. Back in the prayer, we pray before you stealing my sermon, and I love that. God's been working in our hearts in the same way. Today's the day of commencement, we're excited. Graduates are moving on. Some of you at Greenville are gonna be graduating what next week, right? You'll be moving on, is that when your commencement is? And, and and there's just kind of this story of and they you hear a lot of high language, anything that's possible. And today we're gonna to look at success uh as God defines it and, and what how that really works. So read with me if you would the word and then we'll uh, we'll talk. Picking up in twenty eight. That day, Joshua took Makeda. He put the city and its king to the sword, and he totally destroyed everyone in it. He left no survivors. He did it to the king of Makeda, as he had done to the king of Jericho. See, there's a reference back. 29. Then Joshua and all Israel with him moved from Makeda to Libna and attacked it. The Lord gave that city into, and the king into Israel's hand. The city and everyone in it put to the sword. He left no survivors there. And he did to the king as he'd done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua and Israel, all with him, moved from Libna to Lashish, something like that, uh, and he took up positions against it and attacked it. The Lord handed Lashish Lashish, uh, to Israel, and Joshua took it on the second day. The city and everyone in it, he put to the sword, just as he had done to Libna. Meanwhile, Horam, king of Gezer, had come up to help Lashish, but Joshua defeated him and his army also, leaving no survivors. 34. Then Joshua and all Israel with him moved from Lashish to Eglon, where he took up positions against it and attacked it, and they captured it the same day and put it to the sword and totally destroyed everyone in it, just as they had done to Lashish. Then Joshua and Israel, with him, went up to Eglon and Hebron and attacked it. They took the city and put it to the sword, together with its king, its villagers, and everyone in it. They left no survivors, just as Eglon, they had totally destroyed it and everyone in it. 38. Then Joshua and all Israel with him turned around and attacked Debir. They took the city, its king, and its villagers. They put them to the sword. Everyone was totally destroyed. They left no survivors. They did to Debir and its king as they had done to Libna and its king and to Hebron. So Joshua subdued the whole region, including the hill country, the Negev, the western foothills of the mountain slopes, together with all their kings. He left no survivors. He totally destroyed all who breathed, just as Yahweh, the Lord, the God of Israel, had commanded. Joshua subdued them from Kadesh Bernia, to Gaza, and the whole region of Goshen to Gibeon. All these kings and their lands, Joshua conquered, listen, in one campaign, because the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Right? Now, there's a lot going on there, isn't there? We start reading that. You know, if you back up to verse 28, because that's the end of the last battle. 28 picks up. And then that day, they went and fought again. If you've been reading Joshua with us, you know that Joshua has a pace to it, right? And I don't know if you heard it this morning, but the truth is that this pace begins to quicken now in Joshua. Joshua. The, the kings that they used to spend so much time talking about how the defeat went and how the war went. It was day after day after day after day. Victory and victory and victory and victory. It's profound. As a matter of fact, I did some real quick math here and I wanted to share with you, if you've not been reading the book of Joshua, I want to share with you uh, some interesting things about it. it. The book of Joshua takes six chapters to get to the first victory of the people of God. Six chapters to get to Jericho. Right? Some of that's introduction, some of that's backstory, but there's a lot of stuff about getting ready to go take Jericho. You remember I, We talked about that. Two chapters of the book of Joshua were dedicated to I. Then we had the Gibeonites. Remember the Gibeonites surrendered, basically, and made a treaty in deceit with Israel, but were spared because of that. But then five kings were taken in one and a half chapters. You see the timeline's closing. Listen to this. Today, we have six kings that fall in half a chapter. The timeline's quickening faster and faster. Next week, 11 kings will fall in nine verses. The pace is rap- coming more and more rapid. This, I think, is... Uh, and I, kept, I, I told Dan, I, was, I texted him, I said, I'm really struggling, I'm really struggling this week. What, what does this story mean to us? It just sounds like a lot of bloodshed. It sounds like a, a, a terrible, you know, war, this, this huge thing that's happening. But I began to realize, God began to reveal the truth that there's this quickening pace. The first thing I want to teach you about success today or share with you from God's word is this, that success builds on success. Success builds on success. That's how it works. Some of you have struggled in your life to get where you are right now, and you're like, man, I've worked so hard to get here, and you think wrongly, I'm going to have to just work just as hard to get to the next level of success, but that's not how God made things to work. The truth is that when you work really hard for that first victory, if you persevere, if you continue to press on, your second victory comes faster, and your third, faster, and your fourth, faster. It's an amazing truth. I love that we have graduation Sunday today because, honestly, and Jim Hobbs asked me this morning, and he's right, I was a terrible student in high school. Right? I'll confess something to you. Please don't tell my English teacher. (laughs) But she told me I could walk at commencement only if I promised to write my final paper. And like any good senior that wanted to walk, I said, absolutely, Mrs. Raker, I'll do that. And then I walked, and I'm like, I'm out of (laughs) here. That's terrible. (laughs) So you guys may feel guilty already. I'm going to go back and write that paper one of these days. Truth is, I couldn't wait to move on. I was a terrible student. I heard a rumor in my high school that I was supposed to be one of the speakers at graduation, but I didn't apply myself properly. I wasn't the role model. It's true. Something happened when I went to college. I flunked out. Right? I did kind of funny. You don't plan that when you go to college. I had the graduation party. All my family was there. Rah, rah, go Billy. Two years, I was out. Out of money, out of luck, out of the administration's patience with me. That was it. Years went by. I started a family, and then all of a sudden, I started to realize I needed to get an education. I needed a different strategy this time. I studied this thing. It's kind of weird. It was a course. It was like a I don't know, video course back in the day it was called Where There's Will Is an A. Have you ever heard of this? It totally dates me. I don't care. Yeah, thank you very much for being honest. Yeah, it totally dates me. But you know what? Wild. They're like, one of the things that they taught was like, work hard for your first victory and celebrate that. Something changed. And some of it was maturity, I'm sure. Some of it was I had my son and I needed to be a responsible adult finally. I was serious now. I wasn't just screwing around with my college friends hanging out in frat houses I had a responsibility to prepare for. But you know what? It was funny. Success built on success. I started my first semester, and I worked really, really hard, and I earned my first A, and I'm like, wow, that was good. <laughs> Let's do that again. And my second, I'll tell you a secret, my third, my fourth, all of a sudden, you begin to get a reputation for a winner. You're a loser your whole life. And people are like, you're a winner. What? The teachers begin to look at your class, your grades differently, your tests. They look at you, and they go, this guy always submits A work. I think it's an A. Success builds on success. It seems unfair, doesn't it? We see the same thing here, where people, God's people, are faithful and they're pursuing, and they get a taste. Jericho, six chapters. They get a taste. God is good. He is faithful. They forget AI. They, they, they abandon him, basically, and they pay the price for it. But then they return to God, and they're like, God, we won't do this. We're going to seek your counsel, and he blesses them, and they have success. And they come, and they seek counsel of God, and they have blessings and success, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds. And then all of a sudden, one day, people say, these Israelites are unstoppable. But you see, it came after victory, and victory, and victory. Listen. obedience, obedience. Obedience. They were successful, and they obeyed God's plan for their life. If you you didn't catch it, in verses 29, 31, 33, 34, 36, 38, 40, and 42, it all starts the same way. Joshua and Israelites went and fought that day. happens over and over again, the same pattern, the same stories. It continues to happen. One of the things I want to challenge you this morning is this myth that everything is staying the same, Okay? We live in this delusion that that things aren't going to change. I told you last week how we don't have time for anything until things change radically, and then we have to stop our lives and pay attention to what God is doing, right? We have to acknowledge God's presence in these moments. The truth is that nothing is ever staying the same. It's not. Are, Are you a married person? Your marriage is getting better or worse, it's not staying the same. Are you parenting? you're a better parent or a worse parent, never the same, right? In your job at work, you're a better employee or worse, never the same. Same thing is true if you're a manager or a a business owner. You're either improving or you're uh, declining. There's no such thing as being status quo. It doesn't work that way. It's not the way God designed things to work. So success builds on success. The opposite corollary is true. Defeat builds on defeat. We pay attention to those things. The truth is, though, we should be looking and seeking God. My question for you today as we look at the reality of that myth is this. Are things improving in your life or getting worse? I mean, I, these are questions that we have to ask all the time. Am I a better husband, a better father, a better man of God, a better person, or worse? And I'm not talking about works righteousness here. I'm talking about are we following God and improving and having success in our life? And if we're not, we should stop. The, the question can be asked this way as well. How is that working for you? Some people are full of convictions about the life, about the way things work, about how things are, and, they'll, and they will tell you passionately how things are so great, so great, so great. But if you say, how is that really working for you? you start to see through the cracks, right? The truth is that in our obedience to God, like Joshua, success builds on success, we should be paying attention to that. Areas of my life, listen to me now, areas of my life and I'm not, uh, that, that are in decline that should not be. And I have to check myself, go before our Savior and say, Lord, this area does not look like it should. What am I doing? How can I be more obedient? Teach me, mold me, shape me, lead me. Same God. God is waiting to hear from you? Are you asking those questions of our Lord and Savior Jesus? I think it's really important that we do. The second thing I want you to see, so that's the first. The second thing I want you to see is this. Opportunities expire. I I, I mentioned it briefly here, but I want you to check it out. In In verse 32, it says... Joshua took that city on the second day. Every verse I mentioned earlier, it says, Joshua and Israel moved on that day and attacked, right? And this one place takes two days, but he's fighting the whole time, you see? There was a chance, there was an opportunity for, for Joshua and Israelites to persevere, to win, to have victory. But it, it was fleeting. It required action. It required a decision, and obedience. Opportunities do pass, do pass. It would have been a different story had Joshua not got up every morning and went out and fought again, right? All that momentum and all those things begin to change and shift under our feet. It says in verse 34, read it with me. Then Joshua and all Israel took up and moved from Lashish to Eglon. They took up positions against it and attacked it Verse 35, they captured it that same day, that same day. That's literally what it means. It means they finished fighting over here, they got up, they went down the road, they set up positions, and they attacked again the same day. I don't know, I can't imagine. I think those soldiers were like, can we get a break here, Joshua? Can we take a minute? But there was an opportunity, and he was seizing it. Opportunities do Pass. The funny thing for me is that in my role, I don't spend a lot of time talking to soldiers who see opportunities on the battlefield. We can watch that stuff on CNN or uh, Fox News or wherever you prefer to get your, your media from. You can hear stories. Maybe you have someone in your family that's been on a battlefield. And knows the the reality that opportunities pass. We must act now. Bureaucracy gets in the way. But for many of us, I would say for most of us, we don't face those kind of battlefield decisions. The kind I see most often as a pastor is people who continue to go through life with broken relationships. Danger of words like someday. Someday, I'm going to call my kids. Someday, I'm going to to be a, a better husband. Someday, I'm going to do the right thing. And the someday never comes. It's tragic. What I see is people stuck. Because someday is on the horizon. The truth is that these opportunities do expire. Maybe you can relate with me. Maybe you can relate with me. I've had conversations with folks, and I've had it myself. You know, I always wish I would have said this before it was too late. Right? You go from a tough situation to worse. If only I had taken the opportunity. Maybe it's something else, life, jobs, risk. My question for you is this Are you making the most of the opportunities that God is giving you? Right? I think He's offering opportunities to all of us every day. If you're sucking wind, you got opportunity. Are you maximizing? Are you acting on those opportunities? I think is what God's call is for us as his people. Will we do it? Will we act? Read with me in verse 42. The word says this, all these kings and their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign. In some ways, the stuff I read, and maybe you were like, is he gonna read this whole thing all at once? You read it, and it's like this kind of pattern, this writing pattern. They began, they fought, they won. They began, they fought, they won. This guy came up, they defeated him too. They began, they fought, they won. But here at the end, the word of God says it was one fight from beginning to end. Are you and I making the most of the opportunities that God is giving us? And then the last thing, and I want to tell you, and especially you high school grads and college grads, um, I want to share this with everyone. It's true of all of us. Um, most, the, the biggest danger of success is, is, is not succeeding, right? I mean, the biggest danger of trying for success isn't failing or isn't succeeding in and of itself. Matter of fact, in some ways, failure and success is irrelevant to the conversation. The biggest danger, and Pastor Corey pointed it out to us earlier, is that when we succeed, we have a tendency to forget God. That's what we tend to do. You remember the very first story, of the Israelites going into Jericho, and the walls fell with no effort. I mean, just no effort. They just shouted, and the Lord brought them down. So they went to AI and they're like, let's take that one too. Forgot all about God, didn't they? Just that quickly. I don't know what your story is going to look like, but you're going to run off into the world and it's going to be easy. Matter of fact, the more you succeed, the easier it becomes to forget God. The more we succeed, the more we begin to think this is us. We're making the right decisions. We're doing the right thing. We have the power. We have the knowledge. We have the wisdom. We can do this without God. And every time... Every time that happens in the Bible, it's a tragedy. It goes very, very poorly. And I'm not talking, by the way, about people who are outside of the church. Don't hear that. There are many in the church that forget God. There are many times that you and I, who seek to follow Him faithfully every day, forget God. It's funny because if you read through here... I want you that four beasts is one battle. And in 30 and 32, it says that, look. I want you to look at with me. In 30, it says this. The city and everyone in it Joshua put to the sword. Oh, starting over verse 30, I'm sorry. The Lord gave that city in, and his king into Israel's hands. That's the first recorded battle here. The Lord gave him into his hands. Well, the first one was 28, let's see. Right. And then down below, the next battle, it says, 32. The Lord handed over Lashish to Israel and Joshua took it on the second day. But then the next three times it's mentioned, God isn't credited anymore. I'm not saying that was for sure a bad thing. Maybe it's just writers that omitted it. But it's funny to me that there's this pattern that begins to develop quickly where it becomes more about what Israel is doing and less about what God is doing until 42B. When it says, the Lord fought for Israel. This week we had a chance to do something really cool at Highland. Not Highland High School, by the way, but in the community. We had a baccalaureate service. How many of you were at baccalaureate this week? Right? The number one question I was asked as we began to get ready for baccalaureate was, what's baccalaureate? (laughs) We've forgotten. What does it mean anyway? Baccalaureate is this partner with commencement. It used to be kind of unified. It used to be the same thing. And began to separate it out, right? Separating church and state. Not mad about that, that's just the truth. And what happened here in Highland was the school used to do baccalaureate, but they couldn't do it anymore. So they came to the Ministry of Alliance. They said, Would you guys please lead baccalaureate? So baccalaureate becomes a worship service thanking God for the victory. I got a privilege to lead it this year because of Nathan graduating. I got to sit with student leaders. I got to say to them, Listen, they said, What's baccalaureate? Why are we doing this? Is this got something to do with Sunday morning? The graduation on Sunday morning? Right? I said, that's rah rah, look at us. Today, you go to Highland High School, you're going to see the gold ropes. You're going to see the stars next to their names. You're going to see all the cool stuff that these kids did. Rightfully so. Administration cheers, parents cheer, everyone celebrates. Baccalaureate is rah rah, look at God. That's the difference. And that's what I told the students, and praise God, they were awesome in responding in worship to God who delivered them through the season of life. Many of us could learn from those students, and many of us can learn from the Israelites. The question that I have here is this, are you remembering God in your success? Are you remembering God in your success? Some of the most tragic parts of my life story are whenever I was succeeding without God. Right? I mean that. Everyone externally said, you're doing it, man. You got it. You got the world by the tail. You're getting it done. We love it. Celebrating. Ra-ra. Look at Bill. It was waste. It was useless. It was not success at all. Are you remembering God in your success? For most of us, we come to God when we have great need. There's a crisis. Oh, God, help us. Something unexpected happens. Lord, Lord, deliver me. The cry of the saints. cry of the sinners. But how many of us, when things are going perfectly well, when we have success on success, when life's going faster and faster, and things are getting better and better, stop and say, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for delivering me. I want to tell you a verse of scripture here from Jesus' own lips. It's a scary one. Jesus teaches his people and he says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he says, I will speak to them plainly that day, saying, I never knew you. I never knew you. And how many of us, are living our lives with a model of success. Thinking that day we're going to say, look at me, Jesus, didn't I do good? And what a tragic verse this is when he says plainly to them, I never knew you. The truth of um, the gospel of Jesus, the truth of the baccalaureate celebration that we had Wednesday night, is that God is fighting for you. I was surprised I got to share the prodigal son story at St. Paul's Church. It was beautiful. I loved it. It was awesome. And I shared the story about how we can always come home and yet, right, if you've never been to St. Paul, they have this gorgeous sanctuary and they had these streamers coming down with the lights coming through and it blows and it billows in the wind and it's just glorious and grand. But behind all of that activity is Christ on the cross pursuing us, coming for us. And the story of the cross isn't a story of some poor old Jew who died a long time ago, but it's a story of God reaching out as far as he possibly can to offer success to us. The question is, will you receive it? Will you receive it? I hope for your sake and the sake of that day that you will. Please pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the truth it proclaims. We thank you, Father God, for your spirit that teaches us each day, drawing us nearer to you and further from the trappings of the world. We don't we don't despise success. We want to be successful, Father, but we want to have success that matters. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would each know the truth of the cross, that it would it would stop being about religion and continue to be about relationship, about a person who came, demonstrated love, and died for sinners like me. I pray that we would only receive that today. If you're prompting people in their hearts and minds today, say, Father, I pray that they would give themselves over to you completely. That it would be your work and your time for your glory and your purpose, not manipulated by us, only pointing the way towards you. May we glorify, we pray, this day as your people respond to your word. Amen.